Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Man, even Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve. And we follow his example. Just simple acts of service and kindness can open up your heart, open up the hearts of other people. I just want to give a big thank you to uh, Pastor Tom and the Serve Day team. Everyone would love to serve and see something like this happen, but it takes um, someone and people uh, to organize it and instigate it. So a big thank you uh, to him and the whole team that put all that together. Great job. And uh, also... Um, I just want to give a thank you to the people who uh, put together the lunch boxes for the people who were serving and whose ever idea it was to put the little, um, the little antibacterial wipes in the thing. Just God bless you and your children's children. And that was amazing and awesome. Thank you so much. So this weekend, uh, I'm reminded of an account in the Gospels. I uh, just love this moment in Matthew chapter 15. One of the most incredible moments with our Savior, other people, and his disciples, and just the mixture of that and those, those groups, this group of Jesus and his disciples and people and how they mix together here. There's just so many things. I, lo- I love every part of this account. Matthew 15, starting in verse 29, Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee. Galilee. So this is important. He was in one area. And then he's gone to another area, and this is a predominantly Gentile area. So not Jews, but Gentiles. And then he went up on a mountainside, and you got to love this, and sat down. Anybody else throughout history goes up on a mountainside and sits down? Not very notable. Jesus does, and something crazy happens. Something amazing happens. I like that. He went up there and sat down. He's out. Just so many things I like already. I love Christianity expressed outdoors. I love when things are outside. I love when you can just walk up on it. You can just happen upon it. Something amazing about that when we go to people. But look how magnetic he is. Look how much people just want to be around him. People are just drawn to him because of who he is and what he can do. Verse 30 says, great crowds came to him. But hello, they did not come by themselves. They did not come empty-handed. They brought someone with them. Bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet. That, that, mean, that word laid means to cast down. That They cast him down at his, his feet. That they're cast down, but they're not outcasts to Jesus, even though these are Gentiles. So in this day, the term Gentile refers to anyone who's not a Jew. And from the Jewish perspective in Jesus' day at this time, Gentiles were often seen as pagans who did not know the true God, could not know the true God, and uh, they would uh, look down upon Gentiles. But Jesus, the miracle that we're about to see him do, he's actually already done it. He did it in a Jewish area for his people, with his people. And what's amazing about this is we're about to see him do something again on purpose in another area to show that he is for everyone that he is here to save everyone. So he goes in this area and does this for the outsiders, and Jesus is just so at ease with it. I'm just amazed how 
just a crowd follows him. He goes somewhere and a crowd gathers. They're casting people down at his feet. He's he's being pressed in. He's being demanded of, asked of, and he just handles it all so easily. And they bring them these people, and what does Jesus do? He heals them. I love that we're at a point in the gospel where that's just the, that's just the story. It's just what he does. He heals people. Wow, he healed them. And of course, this is going to happen. Verse 31, the people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking. Let's slow motion this verse. So they came. There was someone there who could not speak. In the lordship of Jesus, the authority of Jesus, they start speaking. Okay, we find out later that there are thousands and thousands of people on this mountainside. We don't know how many of them are there who, could have, who did not speak before, but I believe that when someone starts speaking and they've never spoken before, you can't get them to stop speaking, right? They've got a lot to say, and they're probably going to bring up things that you've forgotten like from 12 years ago that they really wanted to talk about right then, and well, let's talk about it. I love it when I when make, maybe get one-on-one with someone from my small group who doesn't talk very much, but you get in the car or you go out for coffee and they just have so much to say. It's like, I didn't realize you had this much to say. I believe there's just people that they, they've never spoken before and they're speaking. The mute are speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking, and the blind seeing. So people who are, are carried there or carted there were now walking could be dozens of people that had never had the use of their legs who can now use them. The blind are seen. You've got people who have, I mean, you, you know that blindness, we know that blindness can be a symptom of so many other things. And so Jesus could be, he could be healing all manner of diseases on this mountainside with these, this crowd. You've got people who have never talked that are talking, never walked that are walking, never seen that are seeing. How many know that that's just, that's just a party waiting to happen? Everywhere Jesus goes is a party waiting to happen because look how they responded. They were amazed and they praised the God of Israel. What an incredible scene on the mountainside. I think that story could just end there and it's pretty awesome. Pretty amazing. He goes to the outsiders, performs the miracles, cares for them. They were worshiping God. But it goes on. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. That would have been seen everywhere. People are healed. People are restored. People are put back together again. People are free from challenges. But then he says why he has this compassion on them. He says, they've already been with me for three days. So this has gone on for three days. People being coming forward, being healed, worshiping God. And then he gives the reason of what, well, the problem that has created. That they've been with me for three days and have nothing to eat, and I don't want to send them away hungry, or they may collapse on the way. Interesting in the nature of Jesus that he notices everything. Not only the big things like not being able to see matters to him, but even the thing that all these people are going to have to walk home hungry. That yes, people have been restored and, and redeemed and all these things, but if they walk home hungry, if you've ever had to walk a long distance hungry, it's brutal. They could collapse on the way. He says, I know they're spiritually full from the praising God we've been doing and the encounters that we've had, but I don't want people to leave spiritually, not just spiritually full. He's going the extra mile. Not only what is demanded of him or asked of him, he's stopping to see what the other needs are and going the extra mile with some initiative 
to take care of it. He's just leaning in. He doesn't want to say goodbye. Some of you, man, you've, you've had a wild week. We took um, 20-some-odd kids to a kid's small group camp this week. And uh, I don't know the exact number, but somebody knows the exact number, okay? Because some people will be like 20-some, like around 30, like I hope all the kids made it home. Well, someone knows the exact number and all the kids made it home, but, but you, know, you get kids' small group camp this week and, and serve day, and then you served at a weekend service and come into a weekend service, and you come back tonight and put on uh, amazing student service and it's just awesome, but he's a, he's a part of these, this, these big days, and he says, I just don't want to, we're just not done yet, he says. And I kind of want to say that today, Rockbrook, we're not done yet. Like, yeah, we've, amazing things so far as a church, but we're not done yet. There's still hurting people, there's still people who woke up this morning, and, and they, they look at the news, or they look at the condition of their life, and they just wonder, why am I even on this planet? And they, they're... It causes pain and it causes confusion and they need help. They need hope. We're not, we're not done yet. And I just love that Jesus says we're not done yet. I don't want people to leave hungry. You want to leave Jesus' presence. He wants them to feel fed. He's always filling things up. Jesus fills up the disciples' boat with fish. He's just filling things up. Fills up the barrels of water. Turns them into wine. He's just filling. It says that the, the women who came to the empty tomb, when they left, they left full of joy. The Apostle Paul calls it an overflowing faith. He just loves to fill things up, and he's called us to fill up an empty world with hope. With hope. So verse 33, he says, I want to feed them. These people are hungry. Let's feed them. Verse 33, his disciples answered, where could we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? I love that the disciples feel they have to remind Jesus that they're in a remote place. I love the words they use. We're in a remote place. Such a crowd. Big problem. We do the same thing today. We just look at the problem. I love the disciples, though. They look at this problem. They say, I mean, you know, Lord, what do you want us to do? We can't just run over to Sam's Club real quick and, and solve this problem. We can't, there's no serve day team showing up with hot dogs today, okay? What are we going to do? And Jesus says, well, what do you got? What do you have? How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Seven, they replied, and a few small fish so funny they take what they have and they make it even smaller sometimes we do that I could never make a difference I I don't have that much I'm not even gonna not even gonna not even gonna waste my time with this little thing just so so little I just only have this little bit of time this little bitty sliver of time and this little bitty sliver of energy and it's just a few small fish it's just nothing just so small itty bitty tiny fish Big crowd, remote place, big problem. Verse 35, he told the crowd to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish. And when he had given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples. And they in turn to the people. Let's read that verse again. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish. And when he had given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples. And they in turn to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Jesus took what was so small and made it so much that it's overflowing. 
the number of those who ate was 4,000 men besides women and children. I love the way he decides to do this. Sometimes when I read the Gospels, Jesus is so intentional about the way he does things. I like to think about, well, what was the other ways you could have done that? And it helps me realize why he did it the way he did it. Because he could have fed that crowd any manner of ways. He could have just said, pow, everybody's full. Everybody's full. Everybody's satisfied. I mean, three days, come on, they're... They're hungry, like they would have probably rather had a quicker way to get a hold of this food than everybody sit down and the disciples disperse it to the thousands one by one. And Jesus could have just, I mean, three days, you're hungry if you haven't eaten for three days. 21 days of prayer and fasting, day three, I have dancing sugar cubes in my mind. Someone throw a filet in a blender, like, come on, let's eat something. And they're hungry, and he, it could have just been, oh, I am so hungry. I am so full, all at once. He could have done the same thing with, with the healing of the people, that there's all these people that need to be healed. He could have just looked out over the crowd, be healed, let's go home. Instead, they, they decide to bring him to his feet. He interacts with each one of them, touches each one of them. What's he saying? He's saying, I could have done this anyway, but, but disciples, I'm not just going to snap my finger. You're going to Bring what you have, put it in my hands. I'm going to bless it. I'm going to put it back in your hands and you're going to disperse it to the people. Same thing today, that we take what we have in our hand, we give it to God, he blesses it, gives it back to us, we go out into the world. That's how it works. It's like he's the chef and we're the waiters. He's in the kitchen getting it all ready and we get to be the servants, the servers, and bring it to the people. He's saying, I love the individual. What an expression to say, I, I don't only love people, I love the person. I love the person that, that I created uniquely, that I love uniquely. And I'm not just going to just shout, be healed. I'm going to interact with each person. And disciples, I'm going to have you feed this and serve it to each person. He loves the person. And he wants the disciples to value persons. He wants to put the disciples on the front row of this miracle. Could have been a spectator. They could have just spectated something happening, but he puts them on the front row of sir. How many know everything? It's, it's so good in the front row. Everybody on the front row is having so much fun. Ever go to an arena or a, a, a stadium for a concert? It's the people on the front row that are loving it more than anybody else. They're the ones with their hands up. They're the ones, come on, nobody is moshing up in section 305, all right? That's happening down by the stage, you know? Nobody's body surfing in section 202. No, that's happening up close to the action. That's happening on the, on the front rows. A few years ago, a friend of mine took me to a Royals game, got me a ticket to a Royals game, and um, I could tell kind of by the way he was acting, it was going to be real nice, but I'm just along for the ride, and we pull up and park, and uh, I start heading for the gate that I'd always go into, and he says, you know what, I think we're over here, and we walk over to kind of the, the middle of the stadium and open up a door, just like a regular door, an office glass door, and we walk into this area that's tiled and air-conditioned and well-lit and it smells good. And so the lady looks at our ticket and she says, you know what, I actually think you need to go one level down. And I said, there's a down? 
Like, I'm always going up. I'm up so high, I've got to call somebody for the score. And like, is that a ball or a strike or what's going on here? And, and we're going down. I thought we were down. We're on the ground level. He says, no, you're going to go, go down. So we go over to this other place. And the lady says, you need to get on this elevator. And, and I said, there's an elevator? There's an elevator. We get into an elevator, and there's a little old lady running the elevator. Now, how many know when you get into an elevator nowadays where someone has to push the button for you, it means you get to go places you wouldn't normally otherwise go? And so she pushes the button, and we go down, and, and we walk out of the elevator, and it's, it's carpeted, and the Royals Clubhouse is right there. And there's like royal stanchions and ushers everywhere, and there's a table with... Uh, t-shirts and said what size t-shirt do you want they give you a t-shirt and you walk through and they usher you through this door and it opens up into a restaurant did you know there's a restaurant underneath Kauffman Stadium we go they take us to a seat a waiter comes over asks us what we would like to drink and says points over to this massive buffet and says have as much as you want. I'm up there looking for a piece of popcorn. They're down here with a fajita bar and all you can eat shrimp. And, and we get up and we go over there and I'm thinking, I guess I don't need the Twizzlers I snuck in today. And we start get our food and, and we go back to the table and we eat and we're having fun. And we, when we go out, it's game time. We walk out and, and we, we realize we're in the Bats Crown Club. I feel like at this point, like Andy Griffith in the big city, and just like when they get to join the club, like a club, I've never been part of a club, I'm part of a club, I'm in the club. We walk out. How many of you know it's hard to act like you've been somewhere before when you ain't never been there before? <laughs> that you just want, hey, I saw you last week from way up there, and you know, like Salvador Perez comes out, Salve! <laughs> Woo! You could see into the dugouts. You could hear their conversations. You could smell their B.O. It was just like a thing. It's just, it's just a front row life. It started to rain. They brought out ponchos. It rained, started to rain so hard that it was a delay of game. <laughs> we got to go back inside. Dessert, everybody. They had freezers of ice cream. Have as much as you want. Dessert. Amazing game. We leave. I get home, I look up the price of that ticket, and this was just after they'd won the World Series. We, they were playing the New York Yankees. Yeah, wow, what a price. I had two thoughts when, when I saw that price. One is, I will love this person forever. <laughs> Second thought was, wow, premium, premium view premium price. If you want a premium view, you got to pay a premium price. And I just started thinking about my life. And I'm a preacher, so I make these connections to life and all these different things. And I just start thinking about my life. And where, where am I expecting a VIP experience? Where in my life am I expecting fulfillment and a premium view? But I'm paying a cheap seat price. What, where in my marriage am I wanting the premium experience, but I'm only willing to pay the $10 upper, upper deck price. Where in my, in my family and in my parenting, my relationship with my kids, am I wanting the premium experience, the premium view, but I'm only willing to pay the cheap seat 
price? Where in my job, where in my ministry, where in my church am I expecting and wanting this fulfillment and this, this premium experience, but I'm only paying a cheap seat price? God, I want to be on the front row. I want to be on the front row of what you're doing in my life. I want to be the front row, on the front row of what you're doing in my family, in my community, in my church. God, keep me on the front row because I've been ruined. Can't ever go back to the cheap seats. Oh, I still do. I still pay the $10 ticket and go to the upper deck. But guess what? Every time, hey, can I tell you about the time I sat in the Bats Crown Club? I've been ruined. It's the same thing with the grace of God that we, he ruins us with his grace. When, he, when, when you get usable and he uses you to touch that person's life and to bless that person's life, when he uses you to serve, you can't go back. You can never go back to convenience after that. You can't go back to the cheap seat. It's just, can I tell you about the time I got, I got to lead that teen small group? Can I tell you about the time I got to be involved in this kid's life? Can I tell you about the time I got to be on a team and we got to do something far bigger than we could ever do by ourselves? You can't go back to sitting idle. You want the front row seat. And I'm trying to get you onto the front row seat of, what's God is, of what God is doing. Did you know there's a restaurant underneath Kauffman Stadium? <laughs> and some of you are coming in just on the weekend service, and some of you are new, and you have, take your time. But some of you, it's been years, and you've never experienced more than the upper deck. You've never experienced a premium view. And maybe it's because you think that, there's so, that what you have is just so insignificant, it's so small. But if I have any point this weekend, it's this, that there is something you possess that can bless someone else. There is just something about you. There's something you have. There's something about you that can lift and encourage someone else. There's something you have that God has given you that can be used to bless something or someone else. But you've got to put it into circulation and for some of us, what we have that seems so insignificant and so small, it remains small because we've never put it into circulation of the kingdom economy of God, where you give it to him, he, he gives thanks for it, he blesses it, he gives it back to you, and you use it to serve the rest of the world. And if you never give it back to God, your time, your talent, your treasure, if you never give it back to God, offer it back to God, it remains insignificant. It's not much. But when you give it to him, you put it into circulation. There's something you possess that can bless someone else. And God wants to move us to the front row. The front row of what he's doing. That we don't have to just be a spectator. That we can move into what he's doing. Does, does serve day make a difference in someone's life? People ask me, does this, really, does this really make a difference? Does serving on the dream team really make a difference in someone's life? And you can go online to the serve page and read the testimonies. You can look on social media, stories of what's flowing out of what we've done. I'll just speak for me and say it has in my life it has in my life 
And sometimes I just wonder where I'd be without that children's church teacher who was willing to pay the price to get on the front row of what God was doing in my life and speaking to my life and encourage me. And Yeah, it was one thing when my parents were saying it, but it was just so powerful that they'd come along and speak that into my life as well. I wonder where I'd be without the small group leaders I've had and the people who were willing to get on the front row and pay a price. And they took what little bit of time and energy and offering they had and poured it into my life. I think about it from the other angle of who I'd be, where I'd be, if I didn't step up and serve, if I didn't take what God had given me, give it back to Him, let Him bless it and be used to pour it out for others. It's made a difference in my life. You know, we have, we have a, a dream at Rockbrook Church. I put this dream on your outline. It's, our church is built around five purposes that we get to fulfill in our life. I just try to remind you of these from time to time. This is the long-form vision of our church. It is the dream of a place where the hurting, the depressed, the frustrated, and the confused can find love, acceptance, help, hope, forgiveness, guidance, and encouragement. It is the dream of a group of people who gather together with eagerness, passion, and enthusiasm to worship, treasure, and lift up the name of Jesus Christ. It is the dream of welcoming people into the fellowship of our church family, a church family so full of the Spirit of Christ that you can tangibly feel the sense of grace and second chance when you are around them. A church family that is loving, learning, laughing, and living in harmony together. It is the dream of a freedom so rooted in Christ that it produces the fruit of spiritual maturity, a desire to lead one another to the truth of God's word, a love for the word of God, and radical generosity as we give of ourselves in response to the word. It is the dream of equipping every believer for a significant ministry by helping them discover the gifts and talents God gave them. Anyone can make a difference, no matter how unqualified they feel, or how broken their past. It is the dream of a church so passionate for the lost, like a parent who's lost a child, nothing will stop them nor stand against them as they share the good news of Jesus Christ with their neighbors, their nation, and their world. It is the dream of Rockbrook Church to be unified around these purposes of God. Heavenly Father, we wanna live our life on the front row. I want to have a front row seat for grace and mercy. God, move me to the front. Let me watch you move in my life. Here's my time. Here's my talent. Here's my treasure. God, we thank you for the people who went before us to, to share the good news of Christ with us, who, who prayed, uh, paid a premium price. God, we pray for the seeds that were planted through Serve Day, that they would grow not only in the hearts of people in our community, but in our hearts as well. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. 
We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.